where I started to care for others and I started to really be a part of a community, that opened the door to no longer being tied to my own like dreams. I think it's okay to have dreams. I think it's okay to have goals. I think all of that is necessary. But if you do it in the context of community and you're supporting others' dreams, right? Because I found that I found my dream as I've put others first. You feel like you're running life through the motions day after day. Do you feel sluggish with little energy to be able to spend time with your family? Do you feel like you're just not living up to your full potential? What if I told you you could transform your life through mindset and movement? Here on the Ecala podcast, you'll be inspired, be motivated, and be able to take action to become that best version of yourself. The Ecala podcast is for those who want the opportunity to better themselves through health and wellness. Here you'll learn tips from experts in their field, hear inspirational stories to help uncover your full potential. Now, are you ready to transform your life? Welcome back to the Ecala Podcast. I'm your host, David Gonzalez. Today, we have a special guest, a Newark East Bay native, uh, Barry Taimani. He's a pastor of community outreach, a father of four, married to Jesenia Taimani, and also a leadership coach for Chick-fil-A over here in Fremont, California, off of Maori and Automall Parkway. Good afternoon, uh, Barry. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, bro. All right. So real quick, before we jump into this interview, we have this hang loose segment here on the podcast where I shuffle this deck of card, a right. random questions, and we'll see what, uh, see what you got going on. All right, let's see. I've never done this before, so let's see what happens. <laughs> random questions? Oh, random man. questions. On the fly. You get to see what uh, uh, goes on in people's minds sometimes, by yeah, the way yeah, they yeah. Go ahead. Pick a, pick a card. Let's go with this one. The question is, who are your heroes in real life? It's mm, a good one. I would have to say my mom and dad. I'm a product of... Two individuals that never gave up on me, despite like growing up, making mistakes. I'm actually just proud of where I come from. And my parents have been the foundation of who I am today. And so they've raised me and they watched me go from being a reckless boy to now being a successful community, you know, leader and, and pastor. So shout out to my parents. You know, uh, they prayed for me when I was kind of going through a rough patch. And uh, I would say I'm a product of their prayers. And so, uh, yeah, my parents are my heroes. And their names are Vaka and Va. Are, are you pronounce it Vaka? Vaka and, and Va. And Va? Yeah. The two Vs, right? Two Vs, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. Man, you guys raised a great son. Give it to you, man. He, <laughs> he, does, he does it here for the community. And he's helping the community raise more great sons as we go along. Yeah, man. So um, you said you had a, a rough patch growing up. Uh, can you tell us how it was growing up out here in Newark? Yeah, man. I mean, so I was born in Redwood City and then my parents moved to Newark and I think it was 89, after the 89 earthquake. And so we were living in a pretty rough patch, uh, a rough neighborhood in Redwood City. And so, you know, my dad was pastoring a church. And so he wanted to kind of get us out of that environment. And mind you, all my uncles were, were gangbanging. And so that was the, the environment that he wanted to kind of take us away from. So in 89, we moved out here to Newark. And so, you know, growing up in, you know, in Newark, you know, there was a, not to get into it too much, but 
there was a lot of stuff that happened to me in my childhood, you know, that kind of caused a lot of animosity, you know, just to be brief, I was abused. And that abuse kind of led into this kind of season of in my teenage years, just really angry and not knowing where to kind of release that anger. I just, you know, would find outlets to just violence, got involved into the gang life in, in Redwood City, the place that we kind of moved away from. We actually ended up my junior year, moved back to that area. And that's where, you know, the, the place that my parents took us away from, we, we ended back there. And by this time, I was probably 16. And that part of my family was still doing the same old thing. And so I kind of, so you could kind of relate, right? You get yep. sucked into that. And one thing leads to another and um, you kind of get sucked into the, the peer pressure and just that environment. So, you know, eventually caught a case, you know, you are the company you keep. And so you hang around with, with uh, people that have a bad influence on you. You, you, you will eventually reap the, the benefits or, or the, the regrets of that. The consequences. The consequences. <laughs> and yeah, so I, I caught my first case and it was definitely a, a learning experience because despite like, you know, facing that, you know, I was looking at two years and I beat the case while I was uh, in, in my preliminary. I was fighting my case before it went to, to trial and uh, got time served and I, I only served like... 80, 84 days, man. I counted those days. And when I got released, man, uh, they dropped like four charges that I would have done the two years for. And that was where I, I kind of made the transition. I wanted to start like, you know, living my life in a way that was honoring God and my parents and my family. Man. I remember, um, that's deep right there. You count every day you're in there. You count every, yeah, bro. every day, like the fingers on your, on your hands. Hey, so. you, ever, you, ever, you ever wake up and have a dream you're outside and then you wake up, you're locked up? Oh, all the, hell yeah. Every day. <laughs> those, are the, those are the worst nightmares, you know, dude. I didn't even want to wake up. I wanted to sleep <laughs> until they, I heard the door open. They right. got to wake up. But, um, I remember when we, uh, we had one of our first conversations over there off of, I think it was a Newark Boulevard at a Starbucks. Yeah. And you had told me the, um, the changes you made in your life. Uh, you know, the struggles you went through, the changes you made. And uh, one of the things that, that made you or not made you, but gave you that focus on what to do. If I remember correctly, you had told me someone gave you a question that hit hard was like, yeah. what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to create? So like, tell us what legacy means to you and why you wanted to create a good one. I love that you remember that because uh, that conversation happened. Uh, it was asked by me, by my boy, Brett Hall. Yeah, we were at a men's retreat in Santa Cruz. And then, you know, two days after, you know, there was a, a couple breakout sessions. And then it was after this last session where we sat down and everybody was kind of heading down to the fire pit. And he sat there, he looked at me, he was like, dude, let me ask you this question. He said, well, what do you think about the word legacy? Right. And I'll never forget the, the feeling that I felt because I, I've heard the word, right? but no one's ever actually asked what I thought about it. Yeah. Because as soon as he asked, there was the reality sunk in where it was like, man, like when I die, what am I going to leave behind? And I think that's a, that's a, the, the reality we all have to understand is that we each are going to leave something behind. Right. But we all have a, a responsibility of what that is. Right. And so 
that initiated a lot of just thinking. I was doing a lot of deep thinking because I don't think anyone's ever asked me a question that really compelled me to really put one step in front of, in front of the other where I, I had to make some changes, right? Train's coming. Yep. Like clockwork. <laughs> um, but yeah, train's I think... Train's always coming. But um, ultimately, mm-hmm. when he asked that question, uh, the following week, he asked me if I wanted to come hang out with youth kids, right? So, so he was leading a, a bunch of youth kids on a Tuesday night. And at first I was hesitant because, you know, I wasn't really looking to, to get involved like that. But then he asked, you know, well, what I asked, you know, in, in response was, what's the expectation, you know? Because I wasn't trying to teach. I wasn't trying to, you know, I wasn't trying to do none of that, right? And so he was like, all you got to do is show up every Tuesday, devout coffee and just hang out with youth kids. And so I was like, all right, then let's do it. You know, that sounds like fun, right? Can I bring my family? So I was able to bring my wife and kids. I had three at the time. And then six months goes by. And then he asked if I can teach. And I was pissed. (laughs) I was so mad because that's not what I signed up for, right? Yeah. And when he asked me to teach, I was just like, man, nah, bro. Just being really just hesitant, right? But then I realized that there there was an opportunity there. So before I... I taught, I asked if I could share my story, right? So it was about a month before Thanksgiving. And so I asked him, I said, hey, how about letting me share my story? Because I don't think these kids even know who I am, right? So I was able to, to take it there, right? I had a whole month to prepare my story. And I wanted to be like transparent with these kids, right? I really wanted to, to not hold back. To be real. Be real, right? That's how you create um, trust. Yeah. And so I told my story. I, t- I talked about my abuse. I talked about... You know, my upbringing, I talked about everything. I didn't hold back, right? And, and what was cool is my, my, my family was in town for Thanksgiving, right? And so I don't even think they were prepared to hear what I was going to share. But there's this quote, you know, in order, in order to be fully loved, you must be fully known, right? Yep. And I think that the ability to be vulnerable invites people to relate. But also, I think the healing starts when you can be just real honest, right? And so mind you, I'm just telling my story. I had no, like, I, I didn't have anything, no expectations of what could have happened, right? I just wanted to be my authentic self. And so, but what surprised me was as soon as I was done talking, um, this, this, this young girl, Emily, a sophomore in high school, comes up to me with like tears running down her face. And she comes up to me, she's like, how were you able to, to, to do what you did? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, how were you able to get up in front of everybody and share those deep, you know, those intimate parts of yourself? And, and she went on to say that what happened to, her, to, her, to me happened to her, right? And so, you know, it was just, it was crazy for me to see like what it was doing to her, like right there in real time. And so my wife and I bought her a journal and then we mentored her for about four months. And then four months later that January, she got up, I think it was sometime in the spring, she got up in front of her whole high school and shared a story. Oh shit. And, and mind you, I'm sitting in the bleachers and I went down to the, to the court and I took the picture, right? And I wanted to capture the moment that somebody found courage in my story that compelled them to tell theirs. And so I think 
it was at that moment that I realized the power in my words, but also the importance of telling my story. Something that I wasn't so proud of, you know, something that I, I would kind of just keep to myself. But I realized that when you're able to, to just tell your story authentically, you know, your highs or lows and just be vulnerable, that really gives people an opportunity to, 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 to really relate. And, and it, it provided healing for her because a lot of kids that were going through the same thing came up to her and thanked her the same way she thanked me. Oh, man. So she was, she was experiencing healing in, in her ability to be transparent. And then uh, that led into me falling in love with teaching because, you know, mind you, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to teach, teach, remember? Yep. And then once I realized like the influence that I had on, on being able to just, you know, develop, find my voice, tell my story, I fell in love with God's word, right? So I'm a lover of the Bible and because, you know, God has changed my life. And, and when I started to study the word of God and allow it to change me, man, there came this passion to teach. So now I love to teach. I love it because, you know, there's a saying that no student is above his teacher. So when I think about wisdom, man, there's so much of it that's in the word. I just find myself yielding to, to God's word and allowing it to change me first so that I can teach from a place of, of, of knowing. And, um, and I'm, I'm seeing people's lives change from that, you know? So. Man. So like before you, before you got up and, and, and told your story, man, you were, um, lack of better words, you were in your own prison. Yeah. Like you were locked in your own head, going through your own struggle and, and not sharing it. So the mommy, you were, you were pretty much, uh, found your own freedom. Yeah. You were as free as a bird after that. You probably you you created that for 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 that young lady, man. She yep. she was trapped as well. She was stuck in her box, her prison. And then she seen someone find an escape. Yeah. Through expression. Yeah. Through sharing. And then and then that, I believe that too. Like when you're authentic self, then that's that's what creates like trust. And then like when you're teaching, talking to kids, like kids, man, uh, to get them to trust you and believe in what you do, like or uh, what you're saying, they mm -hmm. have to find relation. They have to find something related. Not all of them, of course, hopefully not all of them went through a similar struggle, but the ones that did, they yeah. seen it like, man, if he could, he could do this, I can do this. Yeah. Cause we all, we're at the end of the day, like I tell people all the time, we bleed and breathe the same thing. We're all the same. We all have that inner strength to come out and be our true authentic self and be our strong self. Yeah. You know, when you created that, that's a legacy. You yeah. created a legacy in a where you allowed, you helped assisted this young lady and, and future people as well to um, be free. Yeah. To not be shackled by by struggles or or something yeah. you might be uh, embarrassed about or whatnot. You know, and not realizing that there's nothing to be embarrassed about. You are who you are. You went through your struggles and now you're better for it at the end. You yeah. didn't destroy you, you know. So, like, you're also doing that with, you uh, uh, do leadership coaching at, at, at Chick-fil-A. It's like you're creating leaders in the community. That's also a legacy, too. Like, so yeah. can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. And so like to go back to the, the legacy. Right. So I started teaching and then the teaching turned into because I found myself showing up every Thursday preparing a message. And then like, I think that's all they, they expected. Right. OK. But I wanted to to be proactive with what we were learning. So I was trying to take like simple passages in the Bible and live it out. Right. So there was a there was a particular passage that really convicted me that said, when preparing a, a feast or a banquet, 
it invite the blind, the lame. The premise of the passage is, is literally like, invite those who can't repay you. And that's a deep, that's a really deep story, right? But like, it meant more for me when I actually practiced it, right? And so I started to like take these practical lessons and try to apply it. And so, you know, another one was Matthew 25, 40. It says, if you have loved the least of these, then you have loved me. So I, I came to the youth group and I told these kids, I said, hey, check this passage out. It says, if you love the least of these, you have loved me. So it's saying that when we love the poor, we're actually loving Jesus, right? So I told the kids, I said, are you guys down to go with me this weekend and go cook for the shelter, right? And mind you, everybody was all like, yeah, gung-ho about it. Like, yeah, let's go, right? So this leads into that question about, about being a leadership coach, because when we, we went the first Saturday we went, it was very awkward. It was completely like terrifying because nobody was welcoming, right? Yeah. And the first, that first Saturday I felt defeated and I didn't want to go back, right? But when we came back to youth group on Tuesday, the kids were super excited and they were like, man, you know, my, we had the, the best week ever because of what we did. Can we go back? So, so now we came, we, you know, my, I talked to my wife. I'm like, look, this is week two. These kids want to go back. So we went back and then we went back. And then one month turned into two months and the two months turned into six months. And then it turned into two years, oh, man. two years with, without missing a Saturday. Right. So the way that I became a leadership coach with Chick-fil-A was people in the community, because um, there's a lot of things that happened in between those two years, but people in the community saw like my heart for the youth, but they also saw like my passion to lead, but also like being proactive with, with the way we lead, because I believe in leadership through acts of service. Lead by example. Right, because like I can talk about leadership all I want, but if I'm not living it, then it's just, it's lip service, you know? Yep. And, and what, what has happened, you know, my, my homie, uh, Evan is, he's the GM at Chick-fil-A. He hit me up. He was like, Hey bro, I see what you're doing. Um, would you be down to come on board as a leadership coach? And I'm like, is there even a position? For, what are you using? I'm, I'm, I'm the GM, bro. We'll make a position, you know, but, but mind you, you know, in between the two years I was saying, I was la I launched my church at my house and then we needed a venue so Chick-fil-A let me have church in their store because they're closed on Sundays. So for oh, two wow. years, two years, I was having church at Chick-fil-A. I was preaching there and we were baptizing people in the drive-thru. Oh. So we already had a relationship <laughs> with Chick-fil-A, right? Okay. We already, we already, uh, you know, we've been rocking and then the opportunity opened up and they were like, hey, you know, bring you on board as a leadership coach. You know, you, you, you'd kind of be like the Chick-fil-A chaplain checking in with the employees, sitting with them one-on-ones, getting to hear their stories, learning about their, what are their goals, you know, on the job, but even outside the job. So I literally just hang out with the employees, you know, and if there's any internal conflicts, we try to teach them about, you know, nonviolent communication, you know, we teach them about emotional intelligence, teach them about leadership. But well, I also expose them to the outreach stuff I do in the, in the city. So one of my boys, uh, I took on, was Kyle Rudd. He's, he's now the GM of the auto mall, but they just announced his new position last week. But when I started the job there, I was mentoring him. 
And the way oh, I was, but, but the way I was mentoring him was I was exposing him to literally just, just acts of service. There was no like, you know, blueprint of trying to get somebody to understand leadership. It was just like, let's go, let's go put other people before yourself. Let's go, let's go wash some people's feet. Let's go serve people and put the interests of others before yourself. And what it ended up happening was he started to bring what we were doing outside into the store. So it was, it was changing him, right? So, so now I'm a proud leadership coach of Chick-fil-A. Man, that's cool. Yeah. Created, man, good customer service there, huh? Hey, man, y'all ever go to Taco Bell and see how dark it is in there, bro? <laughs> oh, you just want to eat your food and leave? <laughs> to eat your, I don't nah, miss, man, you go to Chick-fil-A. I haven't Chick been to Taco Bell in a while. <laughs> yeah, bro, you go to Chick-fil-A, you want to stay. So, um, and then, like, to, and to go on with, like, the legacy part, also, like, with the kids, like, we had collaborated, Um, was it back two months ago, with, well, October. Back in October, we had collaborated on uh, fundraising for youth sports out yeah. here in Newark. Yeah. You know, you, we got with you. You connected us with the fire department who provided volunteers for our workouts. And then you helped uh, assist us as well as, like, get, getting the money to the, to these kids, you know? Yeah, man. And, and um, so, like, legacy for you is paving. If I, The way I'm reading it, you know, and the way I read it as you're writing it is paving a way for the future. The legacy is not just with you. It's going to be ongoing with these kids. Yeah. And like, why is that? Why is that important? Why is that important? Why, why should people realize that that's important with our kids? Yeah, man. There's a quote that says, legacy is planting seeds in a garden you'll never see. And I'm a seed planter, right? I, I invest in, in people. And like when I grew in this deep understanding of the power of my words, I love sowing like encouragement. I love sowing God's word in people. I love sowing just time, presence, you know, and just conversations. And, and there's, man, those words that I deposit in people, it, it pays dividends, you know? But I think ultimately, when I think about just how do, like, I got four kids, right? And something I tell my four kids, I got an 18-year-old this Saturday, Oh man! Uh, one just, just turned twelve. Uh, so Kiara's eighteen. Evangelia just turned twelve. Kalina just turned nine, and then Ezekiel, my youngest, is turning three this Friday. And so I got three girls and a boy. And ultimately, when I'm gone, what I built while I was here is what they got to carry, right? And the, the the truth is, is what they're gonna carry. Is it gonna be a load that is is a burden? Or is it going to be a load that they're going to they're going to be proud to carry? Because I, I've seen stories where when somebody passes, they leave a load that is just just a burden. They leave devastation. In devastation. Their wake. They leave debt. The they leave like a good riddance. Yeah, you, know? you know what I mean? And, and <laughs> or you want to be missed, like not like missed or something. People want to pick up the torch and carry on. Yeah, you know? bro. So I, I love serving the community I belong. Like there's a the quote in my church that says, love where you live. Right. It's a, it's a statement, but, you know, I think about, there was a, there was a time that me and my wife, we took our kids out of uh, the softball league in Newark because there was a lot of drama. We went to Union City for two years. And then I was like, man, like here we are trying to build legacy in Newark. And then we dipped when there was an issue in management. And I was like, what are we teaching our kids? When, 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 when things get hard, we just go Pick to the next run. city. So that was a that was a learning process for us because like, nah, man, we're gonna stick in this city and with all the problems that come our way, we're gonna troubleshoot it. We're gonna figure things out, but we're not gonna retreat whenever we see adversity. So 
I love the different ways. Like, so the opportunity that opened up with, you know, the youth sports. I've loved youth sports because I got kids. If I didn't have kids, I wouldn't really fall in love with youth sports, right? And not saying that you can't, but when you got kids and you, you, you involve them in, in local youth sports, you're in these parents' lives. You're in these kids' lives. You're, you're in this, like, you know, cycle of, of seeing families on, on an annual basis, right? Yep. And what that's done for me is realize, like, man, it's more than just a game. How do we, how do we leverage the influence that we have with these families, right? So me and my wife were doing, it was like, all right, if we step into, like, for example, newer girls softball league needed some help on their staff. So me and my wife jumped in. What was the, they were lacking in fundraising. So me and my wife said, all right, we'll sign up for that. All right, what, what can we do? So they were already selling candy bars. They were already, you know, doing, doing a couple, stuff. the usual yeah. stuff. So, so me and my wife had an idea. There's girls playing, there's dads coaching. What if we did a father-daughter dance? So we created the father-daughter dance. We used the church, right? And we sold tickets and we had raffles. And so people were buying tickets and they were buying, you know, raffles to, to get these prizes and all that money went to the league. And so the legacy now with, cause every year we have the father-daughter dance. It's going on five years now. We didn't do it the last two years cause of COVID, but there's a consistent event focused on a common interest, which is providing funds for the kids. But in the, in the meantime, the father-daughter dance, we were intentional on what we were creating. We weren't just creating a dance. Like we had quotes on the wall. We had people speaking into the families. We had quotes about fathers, you know, you know, being an inspiration. Creating strong bonds yeah, uh, amongst parents. Cause like, man, like in the house I grew up in, it was a chaotic, it was chaotic, you know? And what you see most of the time, some of the parents either either yelling at your kid or distracting them with something else, but your attention. You know, so you're creating stronger bonds amongst right. families, right. which in this day and age is very hard to do. You know, so you're creating a legacy of you creating like the family ties to get stronger, the community ties stronger. And then people see that, man, it, and, it, and it, it, it resonates with them like, oh, man, some some kids will probably be like, I wish my dad did that with me. Yeah. Change is intentional, bro. You know, in any in family, in my marriage, in my, you know, my business, like change it's got to be pursued, right? And so I've just learned that, man, I'm under construction, right? And the, the only way that I can be a beacon of change is if I'm changing myself, right? So every day I'm working on me, you know? And by working on me, I'm, I'm able to, to add more value to people, you know? Because you can't give what you don't got. Yeah. So if I'm continuously, like, just growing as an individual and I'm learning, right? Like no student is above his teacher. Like I said earlier, I have something to offer. And so as I develop as a leader, if I'm coaching kids on leadership, I better be consuming some content on leadership. I yep. better be reading some books on leadership. I better be surrounding myself with other leaders, right? Because I think leadership is twofold, right? You got to be leading others and then you got to be under somebody's leadership, right? You got to be uh, mentoring and then somebody has to be above you mentoring you, right? And, and that way there is this, uh, the word is reciprocity, right? There's, there's a process of, of value that's, that's being poured into me and I'm pouring it out, right? It's like a yeah. basin, right? Somebody's pouring into you 
what's been poured into you is going to pour out into somebody like else. Giving wisdom, you have to get wisdom to give it. You know, yeah. you learn it too, life experiences as well. But if you have someone teaching you for what they've seen that you haven't seen, because man, there's and probably like a better word saying it, there's more than one way to skin a cat, you know? So you're learning yeah. as you go. So you'll be able to pass these other lessons on to other kids. But if you're learning all yourself and closed-minded, you're pretty much open-minded. Having a leader over you is you're open-minded to change, open-minded to learning, education. So you you have to be open-minded, right? To be a leader? Yeah. Or you're going to be closed-minded to be a tyrant and not get too far. <laughs> no, that's true. You know, that's, that's, you got to be open-minded, you know, to get as far as you can or creating a legacy. You have to be real open-minded to change, yeah. open-minded new ideas. You know, like there's more than one way to do one, one thing. Right. So um, Optimistic. Yeah. You got to be very optimistic. So what happens though when you hit, like you hit that uh, pothole in the road? Mm. Adversity? Yeah. Like when you hit that adversary, adversity, yeah. you're coming into to that leadership role. Like what happens yeah. when something comes and smacks you? What do you do? You get... You get to the old, the old medieval ways off with their head or yeah. you're like, you're trying to find a different option, you know? I love that question, man. You know, um, when I teach on emotional intelligence, the five key components is uh, self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills, right? And so, like, I used to snap, bro. Like, you, <laughs> nah, I think I we can relate, bro. Yeah, like, yeah, nah, he's talking like, about like, it's like, nah, you bro. get it, like, <laughs> get right. It, it's funny, um, last week, right, my wife and I, we had the kids in the car, and we were driving, we just finished eating uh, at Jack's, and then we see these two dudes running in the parking lot, right? And then we, we're like, where are these guys? It looked like they were both running together, and then we pulled, made a right, and then the dude in the front threw his jacket out, right? And then the guy grabs his jacket and obviously this dude ran off with his, you with know, his, jacket. His, his stuff, right? <laughs> and then uh, he runs back and then the other guy's like, you know, catching his breath, right? And then we slowed down. I had my window down and I looked at dude. I was like, hey man, stop stealing, bro. <laughs> That's exactly what I he said, was I said, stop stealing, bro. And then he goes, F you, right? <laughs> And I'm like, what'd you say? And my wife stopped the car, right? Yo, big old tongue, you get off the car, be like, never mind. No, no, I got, I got the kids in the car. Oh, okay, okay. So, so I said, what'd you say? And like, I had flashbacks, bro. Because it, was, back, it, was, huh? it like, was like, it was like, I had to practice self-regulation. Yeah, check you know yourself. I mean? So I was like, what'd you say? And I'm like, babe, drive off. I forgot. You say, you say me anymore, right? And so we drove off. But, you know, going back to like, you know, it's not just that moment, right? Um, There's so many moments in my life where I got to practice self-control, self-regulation, um, because the truth is my perspective on adversity or my perspective on, on struggle or even death, right? Like my best friend got shot. He was my assistant pastor, bro. He was washing clothes and he was trying to help. Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me. Yeah, yep. bro. And this is like, he got shot and killed across the street from where we were having church. And... Mind you, I was hurt. And even in the midst of my hurt, I had to lead a church. Like, think about it, bro. Like, in the middle of a pandemic, I lose my right-hand man. And I got a bunch of people that I'm, I'm shepherding that I got to care for. So in the midst of that moment, I had to cling to my God. I had to cling to, I had to cling to everything that I have, I have studied. Like all the stuff that I've learned, all the stuff that I've like, you know, spent time consuming, it was like time to shine. So, and what I'll say, one of my favorite passages is the suffering of this time is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed. 
And that suffering produces endurance, it produces perseverance, and it produces hope. So suffering is, in, in my faith, right, suffering is no longer a byproduct of sin. Suffering is now something that is part of developing a strong faith. So no matter what I go through in life, I have a, a perspective of this thing is going to teach me something about myself and it's going to show me something about God. And so now, whether it's death or whether it's somebody cutting me off and I got I to gotta practice self-control or whether it's me waking up, taking a cold shower because I know a warm shower is going to make me lazy, but a cold shower is going to wake up <laughs> wake the receptors up. in my body and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more effective in my day. Like there's so many things that I want to be in control of, right? And so anticipating too, right? Like if you anticipate that something could go wrong today, when it happens, you're not surprised. Right. But when we don't prepare ourselves, as soon as something goes wrong, we're reactive. Right. And mm -hmm. I just learned that the more I'm prepared to realize because life is crazy. Life throws. We get those crazy text yeah. messages and we get, you know, those things that just happen randomly throughout our day. But I'm now I prepare my heart for for anything that can go wrong. I'm going to practice my faith, you know. And build off of that. That's man, that's good. Like you just mentioned all of it right now, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, yeah, man. all that good like, and cause yeah, when that guy, like that guy, you know, went sideways on you, you like, at the end of the day, you sat, sat there and thought about it, having empathy for your kids in the car, like, man, I do something crazy right now, my kids are going to get broken from it, the, the guy's probably going to get broken from it, <laughs> you know, the motivation to, to persevere through adversity. Yeah, man, my daughter, it's, it's, my daughter was, was, was like, oh, dad, you ever talk about the stories? I wanted to see if you're about it. I was Aww. like, no. <laughs> it's crazy. We're kidding. My, my daughter asked me that all the time. Like, would say can, that. can you fight? And I was like, what? What kind, of, what kind of question is that? Like, what? Can't you ask me something else? And she was like, no, oh, I just wanted. I was like, don't ask me that. Don't ever ask me that don't again. Ever, you know? yeah. don't, <laughs> like, don't, don't, don't worry about that. You don't, don't want to see that. You don't want to see that guy. <laughs> you know, you yeah. don't want to see that at all. That's funny. So, um. Right here, uh, Ikala, uh, CrossFit of Fremont, we're powered by Ikala. Ikala is a, a strong path forward. Yeah. Finding your inner warrior created through community, you know, uh, uh, helped by with uh, from community, you know? Yeah. So you had a, 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 a rocky past. Yeah. You have a strong path going forward. Once the guy kind of hit you with that legacy question, you know, and then yeah. after that, now you're a community builder as well. Why is that so important? I mean, it goes back to just legacy, but I think... You know, when you think about, it's actually real simple, man. The day that I take my last breath, it will be the day that people will, will say about me who I really am. You know, like there's so much, I officiate a lot of funerals, right? And as a pastor, I go to many funerals and a funeral is the one place that you don't get to speak at, right? Like you don't get to speak at your own funeral. No, who's, you who's, don't. Uh, yeah, you, you, the people close to you. Make a video. You, leave it there. Yeah, yeah have I mean, played. I, <laughs> yeah, I actually had a crazy idea of like of creating a, a clip of me just talking to the people that showed up to my funeral. I thank you all for coming. huh? <laughs> yeah, welcome to my funeral. But uh, but I I just think it's important that I don't want to repeat myself, but like the legacy I leave behind is is something that I want to live my life now, intentional, right, on purpose. And so when I look at 2023, I look at a year ahead of, of opportunities to make an impact. And I've kind of set the bar for, for the people that I lead so that we, we have things to look forward to. You know, like this coming next Saturday, we're celebrating the, the community Christmas bash. This is the seventh year. Like the bar is set. 
everybody knows around this time, we're going to do a Christmas party. And just like the, the, the father-daughter dance, right? But I think it's more than that. It's, it's not just about creating events uh, uh, around a common goal or purpose. It's community, you know? And I think about one of the, the greatest commandments is love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. And so loving God and loving people is, is the goal for me, you know, and how do I know God and, and make him known? And so I don't want to, I don't want to sugarcoat this amazing love that's been lavished on me. All I want to do in this life is to exalt the name of Jesus, man. Like I'm a man of faith and I believe in this God because he's changed me, you know? And so it's like, I can come up here and talk about some advice uh, and give you some pointers but I am who I am because of this guy named Jesus, man. And you found like, I remember that the first conversation we ever had actually was uh, over there at the, uh, at the encampment about that, that quote, actually like, love, you, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we're yeah. going back and forth on it. Like yeah. if you don't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor, yeah. but then you found someone to love you. Like you found, you found Christ yeah. to give you all his love. Someone that loved you unconditionally, right? you know? So then you pay that forward. Yeah. You love other people for unconditionally, no matter what mistakes they may have made in life or right. whatnot, you know? Right. So that's, that's deep right there. Like if you cut it up right there, that's, that's, man, that, that gets real deep. And um, we have this theme right here. It's called, it's, um, we call it a call to action. Yeah. You know? And if, if, if I catch in what you're saying of a legacy, legacy is a uh, living life with purpose. Yeah. You can't have a legacy if you do not have a purpose in life. Yeah. What you're striving, you're striving to. So if you could give someone advice right now, a call to action, what would you tell them with legacy? Like, how can they pull themselves out of a bad slumber or continue the good path they're on right now to maintain that legacy? Yeah, I think it starts by understanding that you are never meant to walk this life alone, right? And when you start to, and I think my purpose and actually my identity, right? My identity started to unfold when I started to trust this simple passage, like I just stated, love your neighbors yourself, where I start to care for others and I started to really be a part of a community that opened the door to no longer being tied to my own like dreams. I think it's okay to have dreams. I think it's okay to have goals. I think all of that is necessary. But if you do it in the context of community and you're supporting others' dreams, right? Because I found that I found my dream as I've put others first, right? And so like the, the crazy part is I never had this goal or I, I never had this finished kind of, you know, idea of where I wanted to be in life, right? I just wanted to be obedient to certain things that I felt were important. And what's happened is I became a pastor. I'm now a leadership coach at Chick-fil-A. I'm now part of elite financial team. It's my financial squad, Right where we're teaching kids about financial literacy and I'm part of, you know, an outreach. So like there's something happening as I put the interests of others before myself and I'm finding real purpose in that. Right. Because I can go and join the rat race like everybody else and, and try to move up this ladder and, and gain influence or money or power. But I love the way that it's kind of happening organically and and I'm just, I'm enjoying the process. And so maybe I don't know what the finish line looks like, but there's some beautiful things happening. And so I would encourage people to be part of a community 
that allows you to explore just that, you know, that community vibe, you know, like for me, it's, it's church for others. It might be something else, but I've found that as I've tied myself to this loving community, it's really opened the floodgates of opportunities that have purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah. It may like, and I tell people all the time, you can do it alone. You be like, you you alone have to do it, but you can't do it alone. You right. do have to have community. And and you hear it right there, uh, people. If you guys um are listening to this, the call to action is find your community. Yeah. Find your purpose. Create your legacy. You're gonna have to do it. No one could create your legacy for you. You're gonna be a part of a crowd, a community to get your legacy, but you cannot no one's gonna do it for you. You have to get up and do it. So um if anybody has any questions or wanna reach out to you, where can they find you? You have an email address or um your church as well they could come and see you yeah um like find me on instagram so barry underscore 1975 or barry at gmail if you want to you want to hit me up i'm sure you guys will have it you know on the, the caption but but yeah man i mean i'm an open book if you guys want to stay connected or we we got a lot of stuff that we we do and partner with not only like our police department fire department but local nonprofits, we love serving. So we are always looking for people to to partner with and to, you know, like you guys have been an amazing partnership. And I and I feel like this is the beginning of an awesome partnership. And I'm grateful for what you guys do, bro. Like you guys, this is the, com- talk about community, that really the, the focus is around health and strength and, and community. Like this is something that I feel like it kind of just segue into, you know, what we're talking about. You guys got that here, you know? And so just grateful for what you guys are doing and excited to continue to, to link up. So like he, um, like Ikala says, you know, a strong path forward through community. Yeah, man. We do this all together, man. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Thank you all for listening. And like you, if you have any questions, man, you can reach out to Barry through his email. We'll put it on, on, the, on the notes on the um, podcast. So you can reach out anytime you want. Or you could just come through right here at the gym. We'll see you here at Chop It Up. And if you guys have anything else you guys would like to hear content on, feel free to reach out to us through the Ecala podcast uh, email. And you guys all have a good one. Thank you for your time. All right. Thank you. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. But wait, we want to keep you updated and continue to be inspired and motivated. Follow us on our Instagram page at Ecala Strong. We'll see you on the next episode.